This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of both World Ministries International, Eagles Saving Nations. Please go to my website, worldministries.org. That's worldministries.org and see what it's all about. We have to have another great awakening or the Republic will fall and judgment is coming. We've got to have a national repentance. Now, it's my delight today to have with us as our special guest, uh, again, wherever you're watching or listening around the world, this is a live audience, children present. We're in our staff chapel here at World Ministries International where we do a service every single week for the staff and their families. But our special guest is, is Debbie. I'm going to introduce her like I would in some third world countries or Africa. Uh, Debbie Hansen Seward Morris. Okay, because I'm proud of her. Uh, she's a Hansen as much as a Seward. Her mother's a Hansen. And so Margaret Hansen married... Uh, Fred Seward, and, and obviously done tremendous work around the world. Uncle Fred, years ago I worked for him. He was my mission director and uh, in a great church by apostolic leader Rick Seward. And so I'm, I'm proud of my heritage. I know that uh, we're cut from the same cloth. Uh, my, the Hansen family, Grandpa Hansen was his first missionary with the Assemblies of God in northern China. Uh, district superintendent, uh, they could have escaped a concentration camp. He prayed. He said, God told me to stay with the church. Many left. They stayed. They were persecuted. Uh, my father told me many stories. Her mother went through it too. Uh, they had adopted a, uh, a Chinese lady. Her husband, a pastor, was shot and killed. Uh, I believe that uh, this life is only a temporary phase passing through, but the real life is what we're living for. We have eternal life. We never die. I believe, if necessary, not that we want to, but I believe in laying down our life. So Debbie's been instrumental uh, in my life. I appreciate her very much. And uh, different times, spent some time with her as we were growing up. But we were always in different places. They were on the mission field. We were under mission field in Hawaii when it was called uh, Department of Foreign Missions. And so anyway, but... Uh, I remember going to Singapore. She was on her way to uh, China. And uh, I always appreciated her, her dedication. She was a missionary, her and her family in China. And uh, now she's back in America and has served in several churches here. So once again, it's my pleasure to uh, introduce uh, my cousin, Debbie Morris. Debbie? Woo! How are you? Happy. 
I'm glad to be here, glad to be with all of you. I welcome you and whoever's watching, we welcome you to hear God's word with us. Um, when I speak at home, I refuse to let my husband introduce me. <laughs> no flowery speeches, please. <laughs> all right, um, let's pray before we start. Father, I thank and praise you for your Holy Spirit, for your word. I thank you that our ears will be open, our eyes will be open, but most of all that our hearts would be open and that we would give ourselves wholly to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This is a message from my heart. Um, so you have to excuse me if I get teared up some through it from time to time. Um, what the Lord laid on my heart, which seemed a little odd at first because it's like preaching to the choir a little bit. Jesus is coming soon. That's, that's what he really laid on my heart. <clears throat> and uh, the first verse I'd like us to look at together is Revelation 22, 12. This is Jesus in his own words. And he said, Behold, I am coming quickly. We know it's been a little while since he was here on earth with us. And he said, I am coming quickly, which means we are even closer now. I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Jesus is coming again. There is no doubt about it. He will come to receive his bride to be caught up and presented to the father. He is coming and he is looking for a bride who is ready to go. Um, so we must be ready. If we look at Luke 21, 36, it says, watch therefore and pray always. We just heard about praying always just Friday night, right? Uh, pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So look at that word, watch. We have to be alert. We have to be watching. Uh, pray always. I hope it's all right to be a little interactive. Does that remind you of another verse in the Bible somewhere? Anybody? Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. And it's interesting when I, when I looked up the verse to put it down, um, then just a thought just came to me, go up and look at the beginning of that chapter. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.2, look what he was talking about. When he told them to pray without ceasing, it says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. I had never really realized that pray without ceasing was associated with proclaiming that Jesus is coming again and the day of the Lord is imminent. It's close by. And so because of that, we must watch and we must pray without ceasing. Amen. And we have to make sure 
that we will be counted worthy. Not every single person who comes into a church, not every single person who says, I know Jesus, not every single person who says, I've had an encounter with him, will be caught up. Not every single person. We have to seek him with our whole hearts and, and let him work in us his worthiness so that we will be counted worthy. I want to look at, in Luke 21, the two verses that preceded 36. Let's look at 34 and 35. <clears throat> it says, Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. I don't think I have to worry about carousing and drunkenness right here. Amen. But cares of this life, mm, uh, that that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. There's no doubt about it. It will come. Yeah. It will come. And so we have to take heed to ourselves. Um, take heed to yourselves. It reminded me of 1 Corinthians 11, 28 and 31. It's talking about communion there, but, but it really just jumped into me um, the two verses out of 1 Corinthians 11. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And in verse 31, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So we have to take heed to ourselves. We have to examine what is happening inside of ourselves. And the other part in uh, Luke 21, 34, we take heed to ourselves. Uh, we don't let our hearts be weighed down. That's the second one. Lest your hearts be weighed down. And does that remind anyone of anything? Mm -hmm. Weights? Yeah. Hebrews 12, 1? Yes. Yes. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us. Just a little sneak in here. It's not those who begin the race that win. It's those that finish the race that win. So we have to keep our eyes on the goal. We keep our eyes on what we are waiting for. We keep our eyes on Jesus because he is the one who is going to bring us through. He is the one who is going to give us the power to finish our race. Okay, so sin, we all know what sin is. Sometimes it's little and we try to cover, you know, we try to, to say, well, that's not really sin, you know. But there's sin in people. One thing we can be thankful for is we have the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit will never let you remain in sin. He will talk to you about it so that you can get it right in your life. What about the weight? It's not sin, but it is something that the Holy Spirit knows will make it harder for you to reach your goal. It's something that will keep you back. So um, this, this happened 
I'm sure it's happened more than one, but what I was reminded of was a few years ago, uh, the Lord told me, I want you to stop reading Grace Livingston Hill books. I don't know if any of you have read the, them. They're Christian books, just wonderful stories. People get saved and, and, you know, there's some romance and, you know, everything is wonderful and it all ends well. You know, we all like to read stories or I like to read stories that end well. So, but the Lord's, but, you know, as a person who reads books, I don't know about you guys, but me, I'm one of those. If I start, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to read it till the end. No matter what's happening, no matter if there's a chaos going on in my house, uh, you know, the house is falling apart, I'm going to read that book. So <laughs> the Lord said to me, I want you to not read those. So I put them aside. But what I didn't realize was when I put them aside, inside of me there was a little bit like why why do I have to do this you know I mean these are good they're on and on and on well just earlier this year then the Lord um, spoke to me and said you know what you're resenting me for something that I ask of you and so once he reveals it, what can you do? <laughs> so I definitely repented and turned my back on it. And I gathered up all those books and gave them away. And and I had been on Facebook. You know, they had some groups. You know, I deleted those groups off of, you know, no part of it. He said, give it up. And, you know, I have repented from being resentful about him asking me. And, and I'm not, you know. Um, and it... It was a transforming time in my life because I realized something was there that shouldn't be there. And I don't know what that would have kept me from. Only God knows. But he does know. He does know. And I, re because I remember uh, years ago when I was a teenager, I think, I had a dream. And I don't have a whole lot of dreams that mean anything. But there's just a little handful. And this was one of them. And the Lord reminded me of it. In my dream, I dreamed that there was an altar and there was a little cute lamb tied to the altar, a sacrifice. And as I looked at it, I said, oh, that's so cute. Poor lamb. Let me go untie it, you know. And as I went toward it, all of a sudden, it's like the lamb just, its face turned into a snarl and it reached out like trying to bite me. And when I woke up, it was like the Lord said to me, when I ask you to give something up, it's because if you don't, it will hurt you. Mm -hmm. And so I never forgot that, that mm -hmm. when he asks us to lay something aside, it's not um, to make us feel bad. It's not to make us unhappy, but it's because he wants the best for us. He wants the best for us. Then there's cares of this life, cares of this life. I want to look at Luke 10, 38 to 42. Look at Martha and Mary, Mary and Martha. We usually always say Mary and Martha, although I would guess Martha was the older one. So Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now it happened as they went, he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, 
who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Okay, listen to Martha. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. I read this years, year after year after year, and I guess I tend to be a Martha type, I guess. You know, when there's work to be done, there's work to be done. If you've got to feed people, you've got to set the table and make sure that everything's in order and all the food is fixed. And, and I said, Lord, it so seems so not right, unfair, something's wrong. And the Lord, I said, you know, so who was going to feed them if she didn't, if she didn't do all those things? And you know what he said to me? What about the loaves and the fish? No one had to do anything. You know, we can trust God. We don't have to let ourselves get caught up in the cares of the world. We can listen to the Holy Spirit, and we don't have to be full of care because the Holy Spirit will lead us step by step in peace, in peace, okay? So that was God's little talking to me, you know? You don't have to get in a tizzy and in a fuss. I can do a miracle. He can, he can make food appear if he wants to. He can provide whatever you need without you striving for it because he wants us to rely upon him. So the other thing that uh, Casting Cares reminded me of was the parable of the sower and the seed. And I'm going to read... Uh, from Matthew 13:22, Mark 4:18 and 19, and Luke 8:14. One of one of the things where all it's told in three of the gospels. Not all the stories are in every one of the gospels um, except John. So in Matthew it says, "He who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches." Choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. And in Mark, it puts it this way. These are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things. Entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And in Luke 8.14, the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. Did you notice in all of them, the cares of life choke you? Mm -hmm. What happens to a person who is choked? He dies. (laughs) The breath is cut off from his body. He dies. And they all said, unfruitful, no fruit. So... What's the problem with that? Look at John 15, 15. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit 
and that your fruit should remain, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. We have been called and chosen by him to be fruitful. So we cannot allow the cares of life to creep in because they choke us and make us unfruitful. Back to Luke 21, 36. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things, that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. My mom tells a story of when she was a little girl, maybe about five, when she was in China. And they had a lady who would come and do sewing at their house sometimes. And her mom, my mom's mom, my grandmother, had a big pair of scissors from Germany, and they were uh, the, the, whatever, that part of the scissors <laughs> were magnetic. And so, you know, this, this um, lady would come and she would bring straight pins because she was fixing stuff or sewing stuff. And my mom, I don't know, you might have heard her tell it yourselves. She would love to, she was about five, and she would love to just toss, does this remind you of someone? Toss the straight pins all over the rug. <laughs> toss the straight pins all over the rug. And then she would open the scissors and walk across the rug. And all those pins would just like, boop, 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 boop. they would all just jump right onto the scissors because it was magnetic and they were metal. And then, you know, once they were all picked up, she'd take them all off and toss them out again <laughs> and do it again and again. She, she remembers it fondly doing that. But she said the Lord showed her, told her, showed her that that's kind of an example of when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes and he comes partway down, those of us who are ready, those of us who he counts worthy, we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. Amen. So the question is now, are we magnetized to him or are we magnetized to the world? When he comes, will we be caught up or will too many things have their hold upon us and we will be kept down? We have to examine our lives for that. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says it in a little different way. If you were raised with Christ, Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind and affection on things above, not on things of this earth. If we allow our affections to be here on the things around us, even our family, whatever may be precious, Our first affection cannot be here. Our first affection must be there with him. And then as he comes, we'll be caught up to meet him in the air, just like going to a magnet. So take heed that we, that's just the introduction. (laughs) Take heed that we pursue the fear of the Lord. First and foremost in our lives, let's take heed that we pursue the fear of the Lord in our lives. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We have a choice 
we can choose to follow after the fear of the Lord or we can choose to ignore it. We can choose to despise it. It's our choice. You know, God is a wonderful, loving, amazing God, and he gave each of us a choice. He did not make us robots where he pushes the button and we follow after him what he says to do. Whatever he asks us to do, whatever he puts in front of us, he gives us a choice. We can say yes or we can say no because he gave us that freedom of choice. We are blessed, and some people don't use it wisely. Amen. We have a choice to choose the fear of the Lord or not. And I'm going to read several verses to you now, also from Proverbs 1. I'm going to read verses 20 to 33. <clears throat> wisdom calls aloud outside. Okay, this is wisdom personifying the fear of the Lord, okay? The fear of the Lord. Wisdom calling us to the fear of the Lord. Wisdom calls outside. <clears throat> she raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the city gates, she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely, listen, so, so, so wisdom is saying, come, come, learn of the fear of the Lord. And, and look, if we turn and come, surely I will pour out my spirit on you. Amen. I will make my words known to you. All we have to do is follow the voice of wisdom calling us to the fear of the Lord. Verse 24 is very sad. It says, and, and I've added a word in here, but, a huge big but, because I called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded, because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me and I will not answer. That is not what it says over in Jeremiah, is it? Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call on me and I will answer you. But these people had a chance and they chose to turn their backs, to turn away from God. And he said, when you call on me, I will not answer. They will seek me diligently and they will not find me. Brothers and sisters, it is a serious thing that when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and woos you and calls you to himself, that you take advantage of that, mm -hmm. that you say yes, that you make yourself available to him. In verse 29, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They had a choice, but they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel, and despised my every rebuke. 
31, so sad. Therefore, they will eat the fruit of their own way. Isn't that just a scary thought? They will be filled to full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them. The turning away of the simple will slay them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. You know, sometimes we think it's just a choice like go to church or not go to church or read God's word or not read God's word. We think the choice is superficial, but it's not. It's a very um, deep reaching choice. And when we choose not to choose, when we choose something that is not God's way, it can kill us. It will destroy us. Every minute, every second of every day in your life and my life, we have a choice. God puts choices in front of us. And we can choose to follow him or we can choose to ignore him. And let me tell you, it may not happen in that instant, but as you choose not to follow him one upon another, it will bring death and it will bring destruction in your life. The enemy would like to deceive you and let you think there are no consequences, but there are consequences. 33, though, Proverbs 133, such a word of hope, but whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. We need to take heed to respond to every opportunity we are given to have intimate fellowship with Jesus. Look at Song of Solomon 5, verses 2 and 3. This is the bride-to-be speaking here at first. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It's the voice of my beloved, the bridegroom. He knocks, saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. And here's her response. I've already taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I've washed my feet. How can I defile them? And she didn't get up and go to the door. Then a little bit later, she thought about it. And she went to the door, but he was gone. But think of it. What if she had answered? What wonderful time of intimacy and fellowship would they have had? What would have happened in that moment that might have changed the rest of her life for her in that moment? And there's times in your life, in my life, and we hear that gentle voice that says, come away, come away. And sometimes we do. And doesn't that just yield wonderful treasures within and blessings and indescribable time of fellowship and joy with the Lord. Sometimes we don't. And later we think, what? Nothing happened. You're right. Everything goes on just as usual, but you never know what you missed. You never know what you missed. We have to take heed to ourselves to walk in obedience. 
walk in obedience. Samuel said in 1 Samuel 15, 22 to 23, Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed, heed, that's hearing and obeying. Heeding is not just hearing it, but heeding includes hearing it and obeying it. And to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. There is not a person here, probably not even anyone listening to my voice, who would even consider dabbling in witchcraft, would we? No, never. But not obeying the voice of the Lord, the instructions of the Lord, is rebellion, and that is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. And then this is the word that was pronounced on Saul. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Obedience, so important in our lives. Sometimes we think that God is like a person, like us, you know. And he says stuff and we can just ignore it a little bit. You know, like maybe a husband and a wife and the husband says something and the wife's like, I didn't really hear that. You know, (laughs) he doesn't know whether you heard it or not. Maybe he's not looking at you, so he doesn't know whether you did hear it. And so it doesn't matter. But God sees everything. He knows you heard it and he knows you're ignoring it. So we need to obey him. My mom tells a story. She was already a missionary in Singapore when this happened, and I guess it had been a pattern through her life when something made her angry, something frustrated her, she got real mad, she would just run off and run somewhere, you know, here, there, wherever. And so on this particular day, she was having an argument with my father. They didn't have a whole lot then, but they were having an argument, and she just got so angry, and she ran out and just jumped in the car and drove down the road, you know, you can imagine the engine is like down the road. And as she's driving down the road, she's not going anywhere in particular, just running away. And a voice says to her, where are you going? (laughs) And she said, I don't know. (laughs) And she's not even realizing she, this is how she tells it. I've heard her tell it quite a few times. And she's not even thinking, why is there a voice talking to me? And the voice says, where are you going? She said, I don't know. And the voice said it again. I ask you, where are you going? And she said, and I told you, I don't know. And then the voice, and she realized this is God talking to her. The voice said, are you going to heaven or hell? And then she laughed and she said, who would be foolish enough to choose to go to hell? And God said to her, You stop now, turn this car around, get back to your house, apologize to your husband, or that is where you are heading. And she stopped the car. And he said, and never do this again. (laughs) And she said, she did. She stopped, she turned around, she went home, she apologized, and she never did it again. (laughs) Obedience. You don't know when there's a line you will cross that you, you will never have a chance to uncross that line. Mm-hmm. 
Take heed to live free of complaining. Philippians 2.14. And I've added a bunch of uh, synonyms in here. Do all things without complaining, murmuring, grumbling, fault-finding, bickering, arguing, and disputing. And there could be more. And I'm just going to put it right in with 1 Corinthians 10.10. Nor complain as some of them also complained, complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. I remember one morning, it wasn't very long ago, a couple years maybe, I was out doing my morning jog, run, whatever it is that I do in the mornings, um, and God talks to me, and he, he just really talked to me about this verse and said, you are not allowed to complain and murmur and grumble. You're not allowed. No. Zero tolerance is basically what he told me. And I said, yes, Lord. <laughs> um, and I said, you better help me because it's not just complaining when we do it out loud. It's also complaining when we do it right here. I don't know if you've ever, but I have caught myself, the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit lets me know now the minute my mind tries to go that way, you know, the minute the devil tries to take me down that road. Why am I the only one? Whatever it is, you know, there's all of those little thoughts, you know, why do I have to do this? Why is it so difficult? Why doesn't anyone else, you know, it starts, it always starts with a thought. And if you allow those thoughts to remain, then it becomes a feeling. And then you've opened the door for the enemy to have a place in your life. It seems so tiny, doesn't it? A little complaint, a little murmur, a little talking about this or that. I don't know about you guys. I can only talk to what God told me. He said never, <laughs> never. And when that starts up, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit because he will, because sometimes it's like you just drift into it. You don't even realize it, but the Holy Spirit will go, ah, ah, you know, <laughs> and then right then and there, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'm not going there. I am not going there. I'll be thankful instead. <laughs> Praise God. Um, what did it say? They were destroyed by the destroyer. Consequences. Take heed to walk in love. In John 13, 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And I'm going to add another verse along with that one, Romans 13, 10. The, um, I was reading a book by Brother Hagen, Brother Ken Kenneth Hagen, and he mentioned this verse, and it really just jumped out at me. Romans 13, 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor, to someone else, someone next to you. Uh, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. When I talk about someone, that, that is harming to them. Whether they know about it or not, it harms them in someone else's eyes. When I say things about someone, 
it hurts them. And so the, the, the things that I can talk about other people have been really compressed. <laughs> no, no, not allowed to say anything that is not in love if I'm talking about someone else. Um, so, and the Lord really brought this home to me, how, how it is so easy because usually what happens is you're talking to someone else and you're sharing experiences and this happened and that happened and they did this and they did that. And, you know, you just join in. And you don't even realize it sometimes. And that happened to me. Um, I was at work, and the plant manager came in, and he was talking about how, um, how what is the word I'm looking for? People were so inconsiderate, you know, and they were supposed to go somewhere, and, you know, and then he had waited an hour, and they never even let him know, and, you know, I mean, he was just going on and on and on and on. <clears throat> and, and I was... As he said that, it reminded me of someone I knew, and my mouth opened to say, yes, uh, and the Holy Spirit said, we don't need to say anything about anybody that is not love or praiseworthy, you know? I mean, unless the Holy Spirit tells you to, to specifically say something, I can't. I can't. I'm not allowed to. <laughs> we, I have to stop it. And... And there he is, good again to me. He will stop me. Um, yeah, my mother says about me, sometimes we're having conversations or in a conversation, and she said, um, sometimes you know when you can't pursue a conversation because she just quits talking. <laughs> <laughs> if it's something that I can't talk about, I just shut up because what else to do? I answer to the Holy Spirit, and, and I, I, that's just it. Okay. Uh, we have to take heed to ourselves to never allow offense into our lives. How easy it is to be offended. How easy. But when you think of, when you think of um, that, think of how we put it. Take offense. Guess what that means? You have a choice. You can take it or you can leave it sitting right there. Just because someone says something ugly to you does not mean you have to accept it. You do not have to take that offense. That is a snare, a trap of the devil. That's a way that he can get access into your life. And most people who accept an offense don't even think about it as something they shouldn't be doing. But I want you, as you know, as the Lord has been working on me over some years about this taking offense, um, it's down to the point now when, say, I'll, I'll use my husband because, you know, husbands and wives, you often do things that can get on the other one's nerves, right? Um, when I feel that slight little irritation start to come inside of me, the Holy Spirit says, mm -mm. and right then, under my breath, I'll say, Lord, no, I'm not going to take offense. I am not going to let this affect me. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know what? God just blesses you so abundantly when you refuse to allow offense to come into your life. And 
In addition to that, for all the many years before this became a, a reality or a truth in my life, there was many things that had happened in my life. And I asked God, I said, I want to be clean, all the way clean. And you know what the Holy Spirit does now is every so often a little drift of a thought comes in my mind, a picture of something that happened. And I go, oh, I took offense back then. I get it under the blood right then and there. Little bits and pieces. They're all being pulled out. They're all being pulled out. And I've got to tell this one because it's about your pastor, right? So (laughs) he didn't know anything about it. Years ago, when about the time he came to go to college in Southern California College, my sister was there. And she was going to college, but she was going to go about halfway up into Northern California to Santa Cruz. I was in Southern California. So some people had given her a car. It was a lowrider car. And she and I were in our teens. I don't know how old I was, but late teens. Uh, She's two years younger than me. And we wanted to drive the car up to her college. So we did not ask anybody because I'm pretty sure we knew they would have said absolutely not. So we did not ask anybody. (laughs) We got up at 3 in the morning. We had all the stuff in there. Took off. We were coming from Lameda, Torrance area in Southern California. And we got up around Bakersfield, I think it was. You know, we like went over the mountain. There was this loud noise in the car. And we pulled over on the side. And then God was gracious. And then he wouldn't even let the car move over there. So... It's dark because we left at three in the morning. We'd been driving a little over an hour and we're on the side of the road. These two foolish teenage girls. Thankfully, God gave us a wonderful mother who taught us lots of scripture. And so we held hands and we're quoting Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, and we just cover ourselves in the word and then. Somebody came along and said, I'll give you a ride to a garage and he'll come and tow you. And we went with him and God protected us. And the guy came back and towed the car there. Well, in the meantime, I guess we called and let my brother Rick was back home and John was there. You know, they got the car fixed and we went on to school. And then they came after. And I think you guys stopped at the garage and You know, the guy had not cheated us. And praise God, we had money to pay for it to be fixed. But anyway, so then they came all the way up to school to take me back with them. And I was so upset inside because I was really looking forward to flying home. (laughs) And my brother and John came, Pastor John came, and I had to ride home in the car with him. (laughs) You know, I had not thought of that in years. I don't even remember the last time I thought of it. I always thought of the first part where God protected us, you know. But I think it was as I was actually flying on my way up here, the Lord just dropped that in my mind. I said, oh, Lord, I allowed that offense in my life. I confessed it and said, I renounce it. I'm not having any part of you. I will not have any offense toward my cousin (laughs) in my life, you know. (laughs) Even if it's hidden and pushed way down, no, it's not going to stay there. And so, so the Holy Spirit will do that for us. He will get it all out of us. Praise God. Take heed to not allow unforgiveness to remain in our lives. 
Mark 11, 25 to 26. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. You know what? In John 10, 10, it tells us the thief doesn't come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I think this sin of unforgiveness is something that is going to take out many, many, many Christians who think they are living righteously, who think they are walking in God's way, who think that everything is fine with them, but it's going to take them out. Because if we do not forgive, God cannot forgive us. We must forgive. We must forgive. And I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit. If we have open hearts and we ask him, he will show us if we have any areas in our life that need to be dealt with and taken care of. There was an evangelist. I think I know who it was, but I'm not going to say the name because I'm not positive. But he had come to my parents' church in Singapore, to Elam, I believe, and was speaking. And he relayed this story that God had given him a vision of hell. And in that vision, he saw his mother-in-law. And he said, God, she was one of the most spiritual person in the church. She did everything. She took care of everything. You know, I mean, she was just like super spiritual on top of everything. You know, how could you send her to hell? And God said, I didn't send her to hell. She had unforgiveness toward her brother from the time she was a little girl. And over the years, I dealt with her, and I dealt with her, and I dealt with her. She refused to let go of it. And that's what happened. It is important that we listen closely to the Holy Spirit, that we do the things he instructs us to do. We can choose to allow the enemy to steal from us, to kill and destroy, or we can choose what God has prepared for us. We can choose to live life abundantly. We can choose to live in His righteousness, in His glory, in His prosperity, in His overcoming victory. We can choose to say no to the devil and yes to Father God, seated with Him in heavenly places, found worthy to be part of his bride. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I think the Holy Spirit spoke to all of us. Amen? Amen. She is definitely her mother's daughter. And I've always loved that about Aunt Margaret. There was something in there, I'll guarantee you, the Holy Spirit certainly spoke to me. Because why? Because we need to constantly allow him to deal with our lives and our you know, if we can't remember things, let him bring it back like she did. I had no clue she was upset with us. I thought, man, we were just doing her a favor. And here she wanted to fly home. <laughs> and so she told me about it. I said, wow, I didn't know you were angry. <laughs> but I thought two things. Well, wow, here she allows the Holy Spirit to show her an area 
because she just wants to keep moving with the Lord, yes. moving with the Lord. And that's what the grace and mercy of God is. Show us things and we can deal with it and we keep moving with the Lord. You know, we invited her because we needed to and we've had a wonderful time of praying together and talking and uh, we just needed her this week with us. So I just appreciate that. If, if you're watching right now and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, just deal with it. Just say, God, forgive me and move on. There's no condemnation. We're not perfect, but there is uh, guilt. And if we refuse to deal with our problems from the Holy Spirit dealing with us, then we are condemned. But if we repent, there is no condemnation. So we don't let the enemy bring it back. That's under the blood. Just deal with things that the Lord brings to you. And the Lord has brought over the years different things to my mind that I long forgot, I thought, and then he brought it to my attention. Oh, yeah, forgive me, Lord. And so, you know, you do that as you grow and you say, man, I wish I didn't do that back then. Well, we've grown. The Lord's reminding you, deal with it. And he is merciful and just to do just that. So allow the Lord to speak to you if you're watching or listening on radio shortwave. Just say, God, forgive me, and move on. Move on. God will use you mightily. Only sin stops us from being used. And sin comes, continues in sin if we're, we want to say our pride is too strong and we can't repent. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So again, I have repented so many times over the years, and sometimes I repent every day because God shows me, okay, uh, you weren't patient enough or whatever. And so just deal with it. Just deal with it. And, and I'll guarantee you the Holy Spirit will flow through you mightily. Our phone number is 360-629-5248. 360-629-5248. Worldministries.org. Worldministries.org. Our address, PO Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. That's PO Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. You can contact us. We'll send you some Christian literature. If you are just giving your heart to the Lord, we're available to discuss whatever need you might have. We have a gate breakers that we do have a team of intercessors praying over the needs that you have. May God richly, richly bless you. Reverend Dr. Jonathan Hansen has written a book titled The Science of Judgment. God is predictable. There is a scientific pattern for the rise and fall of nations throughout history. We need to understand the laws or the rules of design regarding prophecy and judgment. When it comes to the laws of judgment and prophecy, denominational or personal belief systems have nothing to do with the reality or the certainty of the rule of judgment. Dr. Hansen's objective is to warn leaders of nations of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the plagues or judgments that are coming upon these peoples and nations that reject Jesus Christ as Savior according to the Scriptures. Dr. Ronald E. Cottle, founder and president of Christian Life School of Theology, states that this book is a must-read for Christians and other leaders in the United States and in other nations. It is clear, powerful, and well-reasoned. We all owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Jonathan Hansen for the years that have gone into the research and writing of the science of judgment. This book has more than 300 pages, divided up in five sections. Part 1, The Science of Judgment, has chapters titled such as The Laws Regarding Prophecy and Judgment, Patterns of Apostasy, Purpose of Chastisement, Standards for Justice and Mercy. God forgives when people repent. God holds nations responsible for what leaders do. Parental Responsibility. The Feasts of the Lord. Solomon's Transgressions and Their Consequences. Righteous Kings versus Evil Kings. 
Example of King Jehoshaphat. Ungodly alliances. God is predictable. God holds people accountable. Man can turn into an intelligent beast to do evil. Section 2, The Deception of the Theory of Evolution, has chapters titled as Problems with the Theory of Evolution, Evolution and Racism, Darwin's Hatred of Christianity and its Fruit. Section 3, Why Must There Be Judgment, has titles such as The Fall of America and Her Destruction, Cult Christianity, Radical Liberal Politics. Section 4, Kings, Dictators, and Presidents, with the following chapters listed as People Choose Their Nation's Leaders, Qualifications for Godly Leadership, Romans 13, Delegated Authority, Satan is in charge of this world, not Jesus. If laws violate conscience, we must disobey. Finally, part five, so what must we do? These chapters are listed as, we are in a cultural war, our responsibility to a hostile government, the Christian's science of judgment. With turmoil ever increasing throughout the nations, as Bible prophecy is coming to life right before our very eyes, one must read the science of judgment to have a clear understanding of these events and the reasons why. Call 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248, that is 360-629-5248, and request your copy of The Science of Judgment for a donation of $35 or more, plus shipping and handling. Thank you, and shalom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.